Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We worship Jesus. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Robert, I forgot to mention, I, most of you, did y'all mention the, uh, I was looking for Nick over there, that Amy's father passed away. Yeah. That has already been mentioned. So if you see me depart in this service, I've already heard the message. I love Robert with all of my heart, but you realize I'm traveling to upstate New York in just a little while. So that's why you may see me disappear, but love you guys. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, I want to wish all the, fa- all the fathers a happy Father's Day. Um, I, am, I am also a father, for those of you who don't know me. My kids are right over there. Say hi, kids. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, praise God. And today, uh, I want to talk to you. Uh, I'm going to address the fathers, but I'm also going to uh, speak... Uh, to all of you in general, because I feel the Lord has put a word in my heart that uh, I know will be a blessing to all of us. And a lot of times when we, uh, when we try to veer our message towards just a theme because of a particular celebration, a lot of times uh, some people feel like they get lost in the cracks. But I want to speak to everyone today. And uh, I would like, if you have a Bible or an iPad, it's going to be up on the screen. If you would follow me to Proverbs chapter 4, praise the Lord, hallelujah, Proverbs chapter 4, glory be to the name of Jesus, hallelujah, Proverbs chapter 4, And we're going to read the first four verses, and then we're going to go to verse 20 to 24. So we're going to go Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, and 20 to 24. It says, my children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment, for I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions For I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. Verses 20 to 23, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words, don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to all else. For, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. And this is the verse where I'm going to kind of stick to in my message today. Guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. 
It determines the course of your life. My message is entitled, The Heart of a Champion. Heart of a Champion. 2020 has brought upon us so many difficult things. We enter 2020 kicking off a brand new decade. We entered 2020 with the expectations that we were going to have a fresh start, that this year was going to be our best year yet, and 2020 has been a train wreck. But you're still standing. 2020 has been a year where where God is showing you when things all over the place are going out of control and chaos, you're still blessed. You're still a conqueror. You see, that verse, I'm already starting different. This is what happens when I preach. At 9 and 11, I preach, I, I, don't, I preach two different things. <laughs> that verse in Romans chapter 8 that says you're more than a conqueror, more than a conqueror can only happen with more difficulties. You can't be more than a conqueror if you just live a life with no difficulties. You're more than a conqueror when the, the mountain you're facing now is greater than the one you faced before, but you conquered the one before, and you're walking with a word that says you're going to conquer the one you're facing now. That's what more than a conqueror means. So 2020 has brought upon us so many difficult things. It has not been wanting of bad news. We're not lacking bad news. And even before the protests, the riots, before the violence, before the looting, before the economic downturn, before the tropical storm Amanda ravaged Central America and destroyed communities, before all of that, before the brush fires in Australia, before the earthquakes in Puerto Rico, before all of that, and we're only in June. And we're only in June, and it's hurricane season. So we still got to go through some hurricanes, for those of you that are thinking of going to Florida. Praise the Lord. But before all of this, the year started off with one of the most tragic accidents in recent memory. The death of Kobe Bryant. Now, now guys, as much as I would love to stand here and talk sports with all of you, I'm not going to do that today because you can't talk sports with a bow tie on. Right? I mean, you can't talk sports with a bow tie. So I'm not going to talk sports, but I do, I do want to emphasize something about this man's life. And I'm going to show you a video in a few moments, because as it's Father's Day, Kobe was celebrated, yes, for the great athlete that he was. He was celebrated for his multiple championships and his drive, his determination, that Mamba mentality. He was celebrated for being a once-in-a-generation type athlete, a superstar. And he made his mistakes. He had his demons that he needed to conquer. But at the end, 
After this tragic accident that claimed his life and the life of eight other people, including his young 12-year-old daughter, at the time of the accident, the thing that impacted people the most, and this is what impacted me, I mean, it, I wrestled with it for like a week because I followed Kobe his entire career. The thing that impacted the people the most about his death wasn't that he was a great player because he was already retired. It wasn't that he was a superstar. It wasn't that he was one of the greatest Lakers ever, arguably the greatest. It was because he was a dad. And he impacted others with the way he was a father. And I want to highlight that about Kobe Bryant because I want you to understand that the, just the mere fact that you're a dad is an impact. Just the mere fact that you're a father, that you have taken on the responsibility. I remember, I remember when my wife became pregnant with my first child. Jayla, she's standing right here. Obviously, with that face, I couldn't deny her. Praise the Lord. But I remember her, her mom and I, we weren't on the best of terms. I was 18, very young and stupid. You know? And it was one of those, tonight's gonna be a good night. No, I'm just playing. I was young and stupid, and I was going down the wrong path. But once I found out I was going to be a father... I said, listen, I'm going to change. I'm going to work out whatever I need to work out in me. But you and I are going to stay together. We're going to get married. And I'm going to be there for my child. Because I'm not going to make the same mistakes that my parents made. So just being a dad, just being there. Because right now, society doesn't have a race problem. I'm sorry to tell you. Society doesn't have a racist. You're not going to tell me that such a minuscule percentage of people who are actually racist are causing all this mess in America. Just a, a small portion of people that are actually in their heart, in their, in their upbringing racist. They're not causing all of this uproar. Society has a heart problem. Our country has a heart problem. So just being that dad that is there, that is instilling morals, that is teaching good values, that is steering his family and his children the right way, just that alone is an impact. And Kobe Bryant was celebrated for his accolades and his accomplishments, but he is truly missed as a dad. And I want you to see, I want you to see this video of why he decided to travel via helicopter. And for those of you who aren't uh, aware of how he died, he died in a helicopter accident because that was his preferred method of travel in Los Angeles. And I want you to watch this video so that you can see why Kobe Bryant decided to travel via helicopter. Um, tell us a little bit about your routine. You're in Newport Beach. 
and you, you, you would take a helicopter. Walk us through it and why and how that started. A lot of people don't know that story. Yeah, so the, uh, I always get to practice really early. My routine is always the same. You know, I, I wake up four in the morning mm. and I lift weights you know, really early, five in the morning. Mm. Get home at about 6.30 in time to wake up the kids for school. And then I take the kids to school every morning. That's what I do. I take them to school, and then after I take them to school, I go to practice. I drive to practice. And this is when, before people started really moving down south. So mm -hmm. I can get down to L.A. in 30, 40 minutes, mm -hmm. right? So I practice. I'd stay late after practice, get my shots up, treatment up, drive back. And I can get back in time to pick the kids up from school, mm -hmm. you know, after school activities, all that fun stuff, even on weekends. But then traffic started getting really, really bad. Right. And I was sitting in traffic and I wound up missing like a school play because mm -hmm. I was sitting in traffic and this, this thing just kept mounting. I had to figure out a way where I could still train and focus on the craft, but still not compromise family time. Mm. And so that's when I looked into helicopters and be able to get down and back in 15 minutes. And, mm. and that's when it started. And so my routine was always the same. Waits early in the morning, kids to school, fly down, practice like crazy, do my extra work, media, everything I needed to do fly back, get back in carpool line, pick the kids up. And my wife was like, listen, I can pick them up. I'm like, no, 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 I, I want to do that. Because mm -hmm. like, you know, you have road trips and times where you're not, you don't see your right. kids, man, right. you know? So like every chance I get to see them and spend time with them, even if it's 20 minutes in your car, like I want that, right? So. That is the Kobe that you won't hear about on ESPN. That was the Kobe that you wouldn't, you wouldn't talk about in a barbershop, talking about his greatness and, and his shot percentage and how he's the next Michael Jordan and how he's better than LeBron James and all of that. That's the Kobe Bryant that displayed what I want to call today as the heart of a champion. Because being a champion father requires you making that decision, requires that dad, requires that you, that you are going to do whatever it takes to make your children know that you care. Whatever you have to do to make your children understand that you care. This is a multi-million dollar man. This is a man who has the world at his disposal. He could do whatever, and the NBA has a problem with, 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 with the, their players fathering children and not taking responsibility, and players with multiple extramarital affairs and having kids all over the place and not taking care of them. Why? Because they got money, and they could just give her money and whatever, but they're not being fathers. But Kobe Bryant, he rejected all of that, and he, he said, my Main responsibility is my girls, is my kids. So he's talking about, he's talking about what his true heart is directing. His heart is directing his children, is being there for the school plays, for the extracurricular activities. He died going with his daughter to one of her basketball games that he was going to coach. So I say that just so that I can bring to light the impact that being a dad can have on others around you. 
That same Colby said in an interview when he was asked about what drives him, he says, I'm driven by the desire to be a better version of myself every single day. So today, I want to be better than I was yesterday. So if we were to take that, and that is what is considered the mamba mentality, if we were to take that and bring it into the spiritual, we're saying that we want to be for God today better than what we were yesterday. We want to worship today more than we worshiped yesterday. We want to be closer today than what we were yesterday. That is the heart of a champion that strives for greatness. The heart of a champion does not, uh, is not conformed with mediocrity and being ordinary and just going with the motions. No, the heart of a champion is the heart of someone that says, if I want to see what nobody is seeing, if I want to receive what nobody is receiving, I need to start doing what nobody wants to do. He's talking about going from good to great. For any athlete, the hard work, the dedication, the training, the sacrifice, since he was a young boy, since he was a young man, 11, 10, 12, 13 years old, he was practicing when his, other, when his friends were playing video games. He was putting up shots and, dribble, and doing dribbling exercises while his friends were in the pool chilling. He was doing what no one else was doing, which is why he became what hardly no one is able to become, one of the greatest ever. Greatness does not come without sacrifice. So our message to our children needs to be a message that comes from our heart and is directed to their heart. I need to hear the heart before I can heal the heart. If I'm not listening to the heart of my children, if I'm not listening to what they're going through on the inside, if I'm not looking at where is the enemy trying to enter into the heart of my child, into the heart of my family, we're quick at times to try and declare that we know why they're acting the way they're acting. But you can't address behavior. You can't address behavior if you don't know what's in the heart. If you don't know what's in the heart. So Proverbs chapter 4 is, is a conversation that the preacher, the author known as the preacher, Solomon, the preacher is having, and he's, Speaking to children, he's speaking to his children, but he's speaking to children in general. If you have a father, if you have a father, if you are a father, Proverbs 4 is powerful. He starts by, by inviting children to understand the necessity of instruction. Another proverb says, instruct the child in his ways, and he will not, even when he becomes older, he will not stray from them. So the, the, the preacher is talking about instruction. Listen. He says, listen. He says, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention. Learn good judgment. I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. One of the things that he's showing us here is his willingness to navigate the resistance 
to the advice. A lot of times our children will resist our advice. Oh, Pop, you're always saying the same things. Oh, Mom, you're always talking about the same thing. Relax. It's not going to be the same as last time. Your mom, just chill. Your Pop, just chill. So they're, they're oftentimes resistant to what we're trying to guide them to do. And if this is not the mentality with which I am trying to instruct my children, then I have to go back. I have to go back for me. I have to go back for me. And I have to be able to discern what is in my heart. What is in my heart? And what is my responsibility? Yeah, I'm a provider. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a priest in my home. Yeah, I'm a prophet in my home. Yeah, I need to pray for my kids. Yeah, I need to bless my kids. But above all that, I'm a protector. And as a father, you have to be willing to stand in the front line with your family behind you so that when the enemy throws a dart, they don't even know about it. They don't even know about it. I remember a long time ago, my mother was a woman of prayer. When she was in, the, when she was in with the Lord, she was praying. And she would always connect with people of prayer. When she wasn't in with the Lord, she was up and down. But when she was in with the Lord, she was in. And she befriended a pastor. And this woman had the gift of discerning of spirits. And we were, saying, we were living in a house here on the north side of Bethlehem. And as the first time she brought this friend home, immediately, as soon as that lady crossed the threshold of the home, she told my mom, stop. She says, there are three high-ranking evil spirits that are in your son's, your oldest son's room in the attic. In your oldest son's room in the attic. And they started to pray. So they go to the attic and they start to pray. She starts to rebuke this demon. She starts to cast it out of my house. These three demons. They leave. But they supposedly promised to come back with more. Obviously, if they came back, we didn't know because we just moved. So, but the point is, I can't tell you one time where I felt them demons. I can't tell you one time where I saw one of them. I can't tell you one time where they spoke to me. I can't tell you one time where they tugged me when I was sleeping. Because my mom was a mom, she was praying, and she knew that there was something wrong in the atmosphere of the house. There was no man involved. There was no father figure. So she took that mantle upon herself. This is why I'm telling you, when you take that mantle of being the protector, the attack of the enemy stops with you, Dad. The attack of the enemy doesn't get past you. You're the one who's gatekeeping what comes in and what comes out. Because God has given you the power. God has given you the authority. Nobody can pray for your wife better than you can pray for your wife. Nobody can pray for your children better than you can pray for your children. Nobody can, can build a spiritual life in the lives of your children like you can. God put you there for that reason so that you can be that, that protector. 
That's why being a father is so impacting. That's why we need to celebrate it. That's why I celebrate you. I, I, I congratulate you today. So the preacher is, he's saying, listen. Listen, children. When, when, when dad speaks, you need to listen. Because he's not just speaking because he has nothing better to do. He's speaking from a, a standpoint of wisdom, a standpoint of knowledge. And he's speaking, above all, he's speaking from his heart. So a father's instruction, he's, and then he comes and he, he, he lets you see where he's coming from. My father instructed me. So he's talking about David. David was a champion. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man who conquered. David was a man who had his highs and had his lows. But David was a man who was a worshiper. And he instilled that in Solomon. So we see the value of fatherly instruction. We see the value of a father having the conversation and understanding that it depends on you, the direction the life of your children will take. It depends on you. Then he comes to 23 and he says, where I want to get to, guard your heart because it will determine the course of your life above all else above guarding your investments above guarding your bank account above guarding your lawn from the neighbor's dog above guarding your cars and your real estate somebody yesterday was like we need a fence we need a, we need a fence above guarding all else he's saying guard your heart there's something about your heart that you need to protect it, that you need to keep it, that you need to guard it. Matthew 22, chapter, chapter 22, verse 37. It says, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Love cannot exist if it doesn't first come from the heart. If you only love with your mind, that love is not going to last. That love is not going to be unconditional. That love is going to have its limits. You have to lo love has to come from your heart. If it's going towards God, it has to go. He wants it to come from here. Because whatever you feel, your heart feels. Your soul is affected and your mind works to respond to it. So when you feel joy, your heart feels it, your soul rejoices, your soul rejoices, and your mind thinks about how can I express this joy. So that's how the three work together in what is called your emotions. So guarding your heart will give you control of your emotions. And when you can control your emotions, you can avoid so many problems that you bring upon yourself. You see, the devil is after your soul. He wants, to, he wants to bind your soul. He wants to take you to hell. He wants you to live a life of depression. He wants you to live a life of sin. He wants you to live a life of bondage. He wants your soul, and he tries to get it through your heart. I don't know if you've ever been led by a leader with a broken heart. 
If you're a leader in this house today and you have a broken heart and you have heart issues, then you need to fix those issues before you lead other people. Because the enemy is going to take advantage of those scars that you have. And those scars are going to cause things that you're going to say, things that you're going to do, things that you just won't care about. And you're going to hurt the people that you're supposed to be helping grow. So Jesus is saying, love God with all of your heart. Why? Because the heart produces. It can produce for good and it can produce for evil. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Luke chapter 6 verse, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say, what comes out of your mouth, comes first from your heart. So if your heart is good, your actions are going to be good. Which is why society doesn't need protests and doesn't need outrage and doesn't need violence. It needs a heart transplant because goodness starts in the heart. Goodness doesn't start in the Declaration of Independence. Goodness doesn't start in legislation. Goodness doesn't even exist in politics. Goodness starts in the heart. It takes a community with a good heart. It takes a state with a good heart. It takes a country with a good heart. Good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. That's why the devil wants your heart. Listen to me, folks. He wants your heart. And if he can't have your heart, he's going to try to get your children's heart. That boss or that co-worker that's constantly bugging you, that's constantly chastising you, that's constantly, that's constantly harassing you, speak to that co-worker's heart. You let that co-worker know. You know why you're like this? You know why you're such a, and you can use the word you want, even if you got to ask for God for forgiveness later on. Because you need a, you need a new heart. You need, you, need, you need peace, and peace only has one dwelling place, the heart. Peace can't dwell nowhere else. It, it wasn't designed to dwell anywhere else. Because peace, peace begins to rise in your life during the darkest of times. And those dark times are designed to break your heart, to scar your heart. So peace has to exist where darkness is affecting, which is your heart. So he's saying... He's saying in, in Proverbs 4.23, the direction that your life takes, whether you drive off a cliff or whether you ride into the sunset or you make it to your promised land or you go in circles in the desert, whatever direction your life is taking is directly related to the condition of your heart. 
And I have to make the decision today to say, if my life is going down the tubes, if my life is not going in the direction that I need it to, and I'm constantly arguing with the wife, and my kids don't understand me, and I don't understand them, and this thing is just falling off the rails, then that means your heart needs a transplant today. That means you need to... You need to evaluate the condition of your heart. This is why you can't raise your kids the way your parents raised you in Hayuya, Puerto Rico, over there in the mountain. Over there in the boondocks of the south where there was only one way of speaking and that was with something in your hand, not necessarily a belt. Could have been a cable or the remote control or a, or a shoe with a heel. Some of the things that we hear from, from, the, from the older generation of how they were raised are horrific. Man, back in the days, your teachers were allowed to slap you silly. Back in the day, your, your teacher, your Sunday school teacher was allowed to take you in the back and paddle you. I'm like, man. The kids today, they, there won't be no kids in church today if it was like that. She's like, I wouldn't be in church if it was like that. So we hear these stories. And, and all of those things, usually they create something in the heart. And that flows into how I'm going to raise my children. So because of a bad heart, there are families suffering from abuse. Because of a bad heart, there are families suffering alcoholism, drug addiction, racism, depression, suicide. That was practiced, taught, and displayed. And it continues to be practiced taught and displayed from generation to generation to generation. So the devil is binding generations of families all because of what is in the heart. Not because God can't do the work. Not because you don't go to church enough. Not because you don't pray enough. But until you surrender your heart to the presence of God and say, making me a clean heart and allow me to follow your ways. So because of the bad heart, we have generations that are suffering. It takes one heart for the word of God to change. The word of God is the only thing that can discern and change the heart. Look at, look at what the Bible says. There's two verses here I want to share with you. Jeremiah 17 and chapter 9. It talks about how wicked the heart can be and how no one can understand. You ever seen the news and you see something so horrific and you're like, you, you got to think about it for a second. And you're like, how can somebody do that? I know you guys have had this experience with the news. You hear something, you're like, what? What? That that mother did what to her children? What? How can somebody do that? And then you, you go the next day and something even worse happens. Why? Because wickedness can only be deterred by goodness. 
And as long as there's wickedness, the devil is never going to cease to surprise you. So, and all of that comes from the heart. Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So God is, is speaking through Jeremiah. And, and, and by the way, he's talking about how wicked Israel has become. And in the beginning of chapter 17, he's, he, the first thing God addresses, this is crazy. In the beginning of chapter 17, the first thing God addresses is their stony heart. And he tells them, you could have had this. You could have been this. I would have taken you here. But because of your stony heart, I am going to give you over to Babylon. He didn't say because of how you worship. He didn't say because of your tithes and offerings. He didn't say because all of the problems that we might have with all of those other things, they all come from here. So he's talking about who knows it. So who can know? God is asking the question, rhetorically, obviously. Who can know it? Then we go to Hebrews 4 and chapter 12, uh, chapter 4 and verse 12 of Hebrews. And it says, for the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than a sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. Another version, uh, this is New Living, but another version says, it discerns uh, the thoughts and desires of the heart. So in one verse, God is asking who can, who can discern it? And in another verse in Hebrews, he's saying the word of God. It can pierce through whatever needs to be pierced through, no matter how hard your heart can be. When you came to the Lord, you had the hardest heart. You were the, you were the meanest person. You were the, the, the most unapproachable person. But one experience in the presence of God took your heart and totally transformed it. That's why, fathers, you need to be careful who your kids are hanging with. You need to be able to discern the hearts of the kids that are hanging with your kids. I told, I told the story in the 9 a.m., but because she's here, I'm going to say it in this service too. My daughter, Gabriella, was talking with someone, a friend of hers on, on FaceTime. Do you remember? And she asked what her name was. She was with one of her cousins, talking to another one of her cousins. She asked the one cousin, so what is your name? Because they don't interact much. And the, uh, and the cousin told her, well, ask Ariel what my name is. And then in another, in the same conversation, in the same conversation, they're talking about her birthday party and said, well, she can come. If, if my mom knows her mom, then she can come to my party. So there was no humility. There was no, she's going to grow up to be a, she's going to grow up to be a sassy one. And my daughter, Gabby, she's, she's, she's a teddy bear. She's innocent. She's lovable. She loves everybody. She loves everything. She says she doesn't want to eat animals, but she eats chicken nuggets. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And Gabriel, Gabriel will leave. He will eat anything under the sun. It don't matter. So what I'm trying to tell you is 
I don't want Gabby going to that girl birthday party. Why? Because the next day I make her pancakes and I forget to give her a fork. And before, I would always forget. I'm a dad. I forget things. So I forget to give her the fork. And when it's happened in the past, she would ask me politely, hey, dad, you forgot my fork. Can I please have a fork? And I would gladly give her a fork. So I forget the fork. And she goes to me, do you expect me to eat this with my hands? Do you ex- Dad, do you expect me to eat this with my hands? So one conversation, and then we're talking about kids. We're talking about little kids. One conversation with a little bit of a sassy little girl rubs off on my daughter, who's not sassy, and I see it immediately. And as I see it, I have to address it. You know, and that's why we, that's why we have to be able to discern the hearts of the, of, the, of the kids and the teenagers that our kids are hanging with because not everyone who they like to hang with, they should be hanging with. Just because, even if they come to church. I heard something a long time ago, and I'm going to practice it. The day my wife and I either plan a church or we're called to pastor a church and I got to choose my leadership, I want to interview your kids. You want to be in the children's ministry? I want to talk to your kids. You want to be in the youth ministry? I want to talk to your kids. It's going to be part of the interview process. Because the kids are going to tell you like it is. Well, yeah, daddy says bad words sometimes. (laughs) Well, daddy watches TV until 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, well, daddy and mommy, they fight all the time. I want to interview your kids. Because they're going to give it to me straight. They're not going to come dressed. They're not going to come uh, hiding behind a tie and a, and a, and a blazer and, and a credential and an education. I want to know what's going on in your heart. You can fool me, but you can't fool them. Praise the Lord. The greatest father I can be is one whose heart is directing his life, his family's life, his children's life towards the will of God. I can be the brokest dad. I can be the ugliest dad. I can be the, the dullest dad and never know, not know what it is to have fun. But if I'm steering and directing my family and my marriage and my children's life towards the will of God and not away from, I am giving them the greatest foundation that they can have in life that I can ever give them. There's three things that a champion's heart is. The nature of the champion's heart is based in these three things. Number one, it's a changed heart. When you came to the Lord, the first thing he did was change your heart. And somewhere for a lot of people, somewhere along the way, I started to let, I started to let that negativity grow in it again. I started to let it get messed up again. And let me tell you, there are people in the church, there are people that come, they're sitting in the pews, but their heart is not in the service. Because when you have a heart that's, that's 
that's just after the presence of God. And you worship like that. There's a, there's a lady here. Oh, she's sitting right over there. You hear her screaming? And she's worshiping. She don't care who's next to her. And, and she don't care who's watching. She came to worship God. She came to pour out her heart before the Lord. And there can't be change until there's an outpouring of you. Once you outpour you from your heart, then God can pour in him in your heart. He's not going to fight with you over your heart. He's not going to fight with you over your heart. You're either going to keep it for yourself or you're going to give it to him. This is why when he calls Saul and Saul begins his ministry as the first king of Israel, God said, and I will place in him a new heart and move him into another man. When you decide to have a relationship with the Lord, that relationship is a give and take, but it is not a relationship based on your conditions. It's a relationship based on your surrender. Every other relationship in your life can have conditions, but the relationship that you have with the Lord is not based on conditions. It's based on a surrendered heart. And for that to happen, you have to let God change it. Change it from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Change it from a heart of doubt to a heart of faith. Change it from a heart of depression to a heart of, uh, of praise and peace. Change it. Let God, some of us need to come to the operating table of the Lord. To the operating table of the Lord. And you, can, you probably know him. You, you probably see him on Facebook. You probably hear him. You probably, probably speak to you. People that the only thing they speak of is depressive. That, that when, when you go, when you're around them, you got to shake the depression off of you when you leave. Well, after you had one conversation with them and you're like, man, I want to go to sleep. Because there's people whose hearts need to be changed. The Lord spoke to me a long time ago. And he told me, I am going to make you a doctor of hearts. And I am going to give you the tools that you need to change people's hearts. Every young person I've ever mentored, I mentored them away from a life of sin. One of them got married, bought a house, and planted a church in Florida. Every young person that I have mentored, every friend that I have given advice to, they have, they have directed themselves. Oh, and it's not to, to, to toot my horn or to, no. It's, it's because if I was called to do that, I understand my calling. And when I, when I speak to you, if you're going to come and you're going to ask me for advice, I'm going to speak to you from my heart, and I'm going to speak to you to your heart. Because your family depends on it. Your future depends on it. Your salvation depends on it. God changes. The second thing is a committed heart. Psalm 37, 5. Commit everything. Look at the word. Commit. Say it with me. You can't just commit your leadership because it happens in the church. But don't commit your finances, 
but don't commit your relationship with your wife, but don't commit your kids. Commit it, everything, to the Lord. Everything you do, trust him and he will help you. You can't have covenant without a committed heart. There can't be covenant with Jesus Christ without a committed heart. And the last one, the third one, connected. A connected heart, a champion's heart is a connected heart. Did you know that God created your heart? He designed it specifically for him to dwell in it. Praise the Lord. If God is eternal, he could never dwell in anything that is bound by time. Think about it. He's an eternal God. He's an eternal God. Why would he dwell in something that's bound by time? So that is why Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 tells you what he put in your heart so that he can dwell in it. But people just, they live their lives and they never understand it. So they don't allow him to come in. They don't allow him to come in and be that one whose will begins to manifest in their life. Yet God made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted, he has planted eternity in the human heart. But people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end because by nature we are questioning creatures. We got to question everything. We got to question everything. And the atheists, they question everything. The mere fact that one of the, and I'm going to close with this. This wasn't in my message, but this is something that I want to share with you because it's, it's becoming a, a hot topic again. And for those of you who are studious, study apologetics because you're going to need it at work. You're going to need it to talk to your neighbors. You're going to need it. So the mere fact that one of the most renowned atheists of our time died. And the last thing he said, he wasn't worried about his family. He wasn't worried about uh, where his money was going to go. He wasn't worried about his books. He, there was something inside of him that said, no, you, you, haven't, you haven't made it clear to the world. You, you haven't made your point clear. There's still doubt. So the last thing that he said before he died, Stephen Hawking, was that God, was that he still didn't believe God existed. For you to be on your deathbed with so many other things that take importance, and the only thing you care about is that people still believe what you believe, that you don't believe in God, is because you're dying doubting if God doesn't exist. It's because you're not sure yourself. If you spent your entire life trying to prove he doesn't exist, that on your deathbed you have to say it again, God doesn't exist. Come on. They continue and continue and continue, and it's like if they're beating a dead horse. Nothing comes of it. Why? Because we have it in our hearts. He planted eternity in the human heart. As much as you run away and run away and run away, you're connected to God in your heart. Oh, my goodness. As much as you try to fight it, as much as you try to avoid it, you are connected to God in your heart. And he is saying, it, your life depends on where your heart is. Your life depends on what's inside here. Your life. 
your family's life, your children's life. In closing, the greatest thing that I can give my children when I die, they're sitting there and they're like, well, a car or a house, some land, a timeshare. Trust me, you don't want me to give you that. The greatest thing that I can pass on, the greatest thing that you can pass on to your children when you, when you die is a heart filled with the presence of God. That when your children think about you, the first thing that comes to your mind is, man, my father loved God. Man, my father loved the Lord. Man, my father loved the Lord. Because if I can pass on a heart that is filled with goodness and filled with the presence of God and is guarded, I'm passing them on something that's going to take them to being greater than what I was. So today, I want to speak to your heart. You might have come here this morning and your heart is not in the right place with the Lord. Your heart is in a place of desperation and darkness and you seek answers through every channel and avenue but you don't find any. God brought you here today to tell you that the problem is in your heart. And he wants to create a new one. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you a heart that won't be bothered by what's going on out here. He wants to give you a, a, a new heart that, that won't fear the coronavirus. He wants to give you a new heart that won't fear losing your job, that won't fear, but it will believe that God is in control. He wants to give you a heart that won't cause you to abuse, that won't cause you to drink alcohol and get drunk, that won't cause you to blow your money and gamble. He wants to give you a pure, a clean a heart where he can dwell. Man, if, if my heart has led me to doing all these dumb things in my life, imagine a heart where God dwells. Imagine the good that I can do. Imagine the impact that I can make. So this morning, if you're, if, so this afternoon, if, if there's somebody here whose heart is still absent Jesus Christ, I want to pray for you. You don't have to come up here. I won't touch you. We're still practicing social distancing. But right there where you are, just lift up your hand. I want every eye closed, every head bowed. We're about to leave. But if you need a new heart today, because you know that the heart you have has steered you in the wrong direction, just lift up your hand. Say, Jesus Christ... I accept you into my heart. God bless you. Just repeat that with me. Jesus Christ, I accept you into my heart. Put in me, make me a new creature. Dwell in my heart and steer me in the direction of your will. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God a, a hand today.
Praise the Lord. I'm not seeing anything else. So you are dismissed this afternoon. To all my fathers out there, big hug, a big man hug. Don't let this bow tie fool you. I'm a man's man. Praise the Lord. Have a great Father's Day, cooking out, going fishing, doing whatever you're going to do. We love you. We want to see you on Wednesday night, next Sunday. Don't forget our business meeting this Wednesday. If you're a voting member, we would love to see you here. God bless you. God keep you. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.